0: You very much. Well, I I normally don't do this, but I kind of want to start with a musical question. Okay. How do how do you learn a song like that? I mean, do you do it piece by piece, or do you have it in your head and kind of feel it out? Because it's kind of you know it's a complicated instrumental piece. So I'm just
1: curious. That's a good question. Um, it's a good question for me, because I can tell you exactly how I learned it. I had a feeling. I, uh, <clears throat> I was asked uh, years and years ago, before I really started playing the banjo seriously, it was just sat around in my room. Um, I had played it a bit with a few other people, and uh, eventually, a few years later, somebody asked me to play at their wedding. And, uh, you know, like a few months before, I realized, like, there's gonna be a lot of people there. Like this isn't like an open mic, you know. Because I really like the the majority of my career has either been bars or open mics, you know. And uh, I I came to this shocking realization, like I gotta learn all this music, and I I I can't read music, not not at any speed fast enough for a human to learn, you know, in in like a regular amount of time. So, but I, what I did, I had an ear, because I, cause since I can't read music, I, I had to learn everything by ear, and so I recorded, I'm an engineer as well, and, uh, and I recorded the song into Pro Tools, or I, maybe I shouldn't say that, I recorded the song into the program that I use, you know, when I'm <laughs> making, doing audio, and I, I would listen to little parts of the song to the point where I would go like, "Okay, that's enough. Like I can't remember any more than those, you know 24 notes." And I'd just loop it over and over and over again, and I'd sit there and I'd, you know You know, faster and faster with it, you know, trying to figure it out, And I worked my way through little four measured chunks of that song for about a month until it had sunk in you know I've gotten a little smarter about it more recently but you know but it was it was a task you
0: ever think it'd be easier to just learn re- how to read music you know
1: and I, and I got to a point I got to a point where I thought that you know I thought to myself like no wait a minute this is, this is stupid like music, professional musicians walk into a studio they give you a lead sheet and some sheet music and you read it and then you know bam you go home so this, I've, I've got to learn how to do this. And so I started to do it. And I gave it, I, you know, Dan, I, <laughs> I, gave it a, I gave it the college try for a good year. I really did. I really tried to stick with it. I bought a program. I transcribed little sections of banjo music that I knew, you know, and, and that lasted about a year. And then I bought a house and I had a kid. And, and it. so I've just gone back. I've really just gone back to learning things by ear. Have not learned a song like that in a while. Uh-huh. At least not in the last six months.
0: <laughs> uh, well, how has it affected your, your playing? Being a, a young father, do you play a l- less? Or are you playing more focused when you play? How does that affect things?
1: My wife and I talk about this. My wife Lisa and I talk about this a lot um, because she's a, a by nature, she's a painter. It's not what she does for a living, but that's what she does when she's not working. And uh, I think, you know, you try to prepare yourself. And what a real, for me, anyway, I can't speak to everybody. But for me, it's really come down to I do, I work less. But when I work, I work way more focused. Because it's like, okay, I have an hour to do this. I know Riley, my daughter we'll be asleep for an hour. I have an hour to do this, you know? And so you work furiously for an hour and then chip, shut the door and, and you're back to being a dad for a while, you know? And, and so I think, I think I miss the time, I miss the, the time to be able to say, I'll do it later, I'm gonna do it now, I'll do it tomorrow. But I think I get things done quicker these days because, because of that. She's like She's like my sand timer, you know, for tasks, yeah. So
0: um So, before, I mean, like, so before you did the stuff like uh, that Bella Fleck song, what sort of music were you playing? So,
1: you know, like, I watched the Beverly Hillbillies. I was aware of the, you know, on reruns and stuff. I was aware of the banjo. It was a thing that I've heard and, you know, didn't have a problem with for most of my life. And then right at the end of high school, um, I got a little more interested in it and just happened to get, like, a free banjo from this guy who lived in my neighborhood who was the father of a friend, you know, and I was at a graduation party, and he was like, you know, oh, I got a banjo, you want it, you know, and he gave me, it was like somebody once, I showed it to somebody once, and they described it as like, it was the 1965 Walmart version, sort of, of a banjo you could buy. It was mostly plastic, Mm -hmm. you know, and so I... I I used that for a long time and as a being a guitar player first I mostly just kind of played the guitar on it for a while and I played with some other people and then I I ran into the Punch Brothers somebody showed me the Punch Brothers and um, Noam Pikelny the banjo player uh, was playing the banjo in a way that I'd never heard anyone play the banjo. He had taken stuff that you know Bela Fleck had done and and all these other people had done, but he, he added, he's got a certain swing or like swagger to the way he plays. It's really interesting. And, and that was the first time when I was like, oh no, there's way more to this than the Beverly Hillbillies, you know? And so I started to, you know, I started playing the drums when I was like, I don't know, 10. And I moved to the bass and then the guitar and then eventually I found the banjo. And so all the things that I loved, with all those other instruments, I decided, you know, like, well, there, how do I incorporate all those other things into the banjo? Because I had started recording music at that point And it was, you know, the engineer in me was just like, well, how do I bring the entire mix, to, you know? Right. And so I, I started um, to screw around with looping pedals and some other things and taking, you know, like say like, you know, percussive elements of the banjo, which banjo is essentially just a really small snare drum with a neck on it, you know, so you can... You know, you can play that. And I, had, uh, I was a Zeppelin fan in high school, because I was a rocker, I was born a rocker. And uh, when I saw Jimmy Page do the bow, you know i started to do that on the guitar for a little bit and then when i got the banjo somebody was like well have you ever tried using the bow on the banjo so you know i started to drag the bow across like and then as i got more like you know like pedals and stuff you know i added i ended up adding this octave pedal down here which gave it a little more uh a little more you know chest Um, <clears throat> and then uh, it was just kind of a natural progression until I got to where I am right now.
0: You do, know? do you want to do a, do a song? Um, yeah. Maybe it gives us some example of that or whatever you'd like.
1: Yeah, totally, yeah. totally, totally. Mm-hmm. So I actually have this one. This one's uh, pre, pre-looped, pre which is good for me because making, loop li- making loops live can be nerve-wracking sometimes. Uh, I worked on when i de- when i had gotten all my stuff together i uh, i decided to make a you know a short three song ep using you know what i was doing live at open mics uh, you know with the octave pedal and the looper and uh, the pedal board that i had assembled and so and i wanted to make everything on the record just come from the banjo. All the percussion, everything emanates from this one instrument that I play. And so uh, this is one of the songs that's on it. This is uh, funny enough, It's uh, th- when I recorded this song, I thought it was the weakest song on the record. And it ended up being the song, whether or not it's the weakest song on the record, I don't know. No one's told me. But uh, it's the one I love playing the most. Um, <clears throat> a little while ago, the other thing I can say about the song, a little while ago, um, at, at this open mic at the Grafton on Wednesdays, the, uh, the Anything Goes open mic that I had inherited from Mike Hobbs, who used to run it. Um, And I don't know who ran it before that. But uh, a guy uh, came in one day named uh, Ian, and uh, I ended up, over the course of about a year, becoming a good friend with him and uh, creating this musical project called All's Well. And it's a lot of, like... I mean, today, I guess you'd call it world music. I've never liked that distinction, because, I mean, all music is... World music, you know, all music has some cult, some kind of culture behind it, right? But uh, anyway, he uh, he liked that I could play m- more Indian influenced stuff on the banjo, like that Bela Fleck tune I just played, and uh, we ended up playing together. And his playing with him ended up, you know, shaping my. St- shaped my style a little bit more away from sort of traditional banjo and singer-songwriter kind of stuff uh, to stuff that was a little more, you know, it it wasn't about how many notes you were playing. It was about the mood you were creating. Um, And so this song is called Dear Jane, and it's on uh, my first EP called Speak to Me. And I'll tell you how you can find it later. This is sort of a... This is a Dear John letter reversed, it's called Dear Jane.
2: Squeeze into a box
0: Assuming it's the end of the song, I'm
1: waiting for you to like hit another
0: pedal and <laughs> like, oh no.
1: There are sometimes there is sometimes when I get to the end of the song and <laughs> I've gotten so carried away with playing the song, I've been like, did I not hit any of those <laughs> pedals during the song? Oh, man, chorus must have sounded weird. <laughs> <laughs> How do you? Um,
0: I know you know pedals have been obviously around for a while, but do you ever hit anybody who's like? Ah uh, you know you shouldn't have to use any effects you you kind of well, deal how
1: do you I, deal with someone who might have a more conservative take on things so uh when i was when I was like I said before when I was like uh first starting to really pay attention to you know like my practice and what I was doing with the banjo, and I was listening to uh a lot of the punch brothers and in particular listening for noam Pakelney um I would watch videos on YouTube, obviously, right, and uh, you'd read comments you know and like the I mean compared to what I'm doing with this, he's still pretty traditional, even though he's a non-traditional banjo player, and you, just that the admonition people would you know just you know blah 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 you know like I don't know about you, but I like my banjo tone pure, you know like yeah. that kind of stuff and uh, and he's always defended what he's done and 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 i I just i've never for me, it's like, you know, I don't, I don't have a lot of fans, you know, so I don't, I don't, I don't know, you know, but uh, I, uh, I don't have a wealth of people telling me where I'm going wrong, like famous people do, which the, you know happens, right? The night, the night but, is young. Uh, but the night is young. But I'll tell you wh- wh- where you went wrong is doing it at all. That's where you went wrong. No, uh, I, uh, I, I've. I, I've run into people who are just like, you know, who are just like, oh well, I I play bluegrass, you know, and I play bluegrass too. Uh, But um, no, I I don't think I don't think I've ever really run it. My my pedal board is so monstrous-looking and ridiculous that most of the time people don't even know I'm holding a banjo. They just look at the pedal board and they're just like, oh my god, look at that thing, you know. And and uh who is
0: this madman?
1: right and and then and then like later on they're like oh hey look that's a banjo cool you know so but i that's the other thing like i'm i'm a i grew up in like the at least you know like you know in my more formative years when i was a bit younger i came up in chicago like in like the you know in rock and roll in the rock scene you know and stuff so i'm i'm playing i was normally playing bars or a place like the double door or something like that and uh And so those, you know, like, if you walk in with something like this, they'd just be like, oh, my God, you know, like, cool. You know what I mean? So I don't, I don't. But why is there a banjo? I've never played. I've never used this around a lot of, like, heavy folk audiences. Uh Um, The only time I've been in that situation, I've just been backing someone up on the banjo by itself, you know, so I haven't come across it. But I'm I'm sort of longing for a good fight, though. I'm waiting for the guy, I'm waiting for the guy or girl who'll, you know, be like, oh, I don't know about that, you know, because I have my, my whole litany of why I believe it's, you know, good. You well, know? I, I know
0: I've talked with you about it, you know, a little bit about kind of your feelings about sort of people who are kind of like, that's the traditional banjo playing and, you know, whether... And I, I believe you said something like, well, at some
1: point, Bill Monroe wasn't traditional and everybody oh, at some right, point, Oh, right, right, you know. exactly. Yeah. I, um, you know, it's you have to keep moving forward with a genre. You have to. And I mean, it doesn't mean that you can't celebrate what made the genre great to begin with. But I've never been a... I've never been a big fan of clubs too much to you know, like, want to be with the people who are like, no, this is the way we do it, and that's it, you know? Uh, But I think that comes from just having played so many different instruments, you know? And I've played in in metal bands, (laughs) I've played the drums in metal bands, I've played, you know, the bass and rock bands and blues bands and stuff, and uh, when I finally got around to, like, sort of, this is the first banjo that I feel like like, this is my instrument, Uh this banjo, you know? And, um, I think by that time, I had just done so much with you know, other small-time bands and with myself and my own recording that it, I, didn't, I didn't think about it too much. You know? How do you end up
0: settling on uh, banjo? I mean, you could obviously play a guitar with lots of effects. You could play other different instruments. What about the banjo
1: kind of connects with you most? It's the only instrument that I could play fast on. <laughs> i'm I'm a relatively I can play fast on the drums because i I've, I've been playing the drums since I was nine so i'm I, I to this day i'd like to think that the banjo was the instrument I know the best but the instrument i think i'm the most like i can sit down in any situation and, and at least play something to get me through the night are the drums just because I'd been banging on things you know since I was nine years old but um I started to play it and i my dad uh, i could say that my my I think what first turned me on about music was that my dad, my dad is an amateur guitar player, uh, plays, uh, in his room, you know, after work. And I, I grew up listening to him play James Taylor. Uh, my, my I've very early memories of hearing Sweet Baby James and Fire and Rain. And I just lay on his bed, you know, and, and daydream, you know, and, um,
0: Let me think about that. Well, let's do let's do a song, and we could kind
1: of get back onto kind yeah, of yeah, playing yeah. with. Well, your let me dad do this. I'm going to do this. Um, I'm going to do this. I'm going to play a couple of bluegrass tunes. Go for it. And then I'm going to switch over, Jim. I'm going to switch over to the uh, the electric banjo. All right. This is a this is an instrumental. Uh, I wrote this uh, with my friend Ian uh, Pelos who. I'm in this group, All's Well With. Uh, Graham Nelson is also in the group. He plays harmonica. When we have a show, he steps in. Um, And this is an example, this is a good example of, uh, Ian wrote, the song's in two sections. There's an A section and a B section, you know, and it goes back and forth. And Ian wrote the first part that you're going to hear, and uh, more or less. Um, And I sort of had the influence for the second part. And you can hear where, like, On the banjo, you can hear where the part that was written on the banjo, you know, comes in, because it sounds, it sounds, you know, more traditional than the other part. But uh, uh, anyway, this song is called On the Wing, On the Thing. That was called "On the Wing, On the Thing." It's on a, a, a self-titled record, just all's well. Uh, that's available uh, at Bandcamp. So um, this is a this is a regular uh, electric guitar, and. Um, I've restrung it as a banjo. I've ha- I bought this guitar when I was 16, and uh, I actually, over the years, I've played it less and less and less and less because I really don't play electric guitar anymore unless I, I need it for a recording. Uh, but I restrung it as a banjo about a year ago, and I've been playing it more and more, and uh, it's just, it, you know, it has more sustain. You can't do that on a banjo. And, uh, <laughs> you know... It's a banjo, you know. You weren't, you weren't tempted to add a sixth string on there? I'm,
2: no, I'm,
1: you know, I toyed around with different configurations and, and which, which of the eyelets to skip, you know, because it's only got five strings now. But I've made it for the radio listeners. I mean, I've made a little label on it that, that says, this is slash is not a banjo. It's very beautiful-looking guitar. I wrote this song uh, I wrote this song years ago back back in college uh it was originally called uh, rain poem because I wrote it I wrote it uh w- very late one night uh on a typewriter in in the I was in this old apartment up off the Damon Brown line stop and uh, uh the rain was just this was one of those rainstorms just battering the building, you know? You're just waiting for the ceiling to come in at any minute, you know? And uh, I, I was just sort of writing things, and, and 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 this slowly came out, and, you know, I worked with it for a few weeks or whatever. And then I had it in a, in a couple of different forms, and I landed on this one, and I'm going to record an EP, hopefully, in the next, if I can get myself up to do it. I, uh, I'm going to record another EP in, in the next month or so, and this is going to be on it. I've changed the name from Rain Poem to Surround You. Style. yeah, yeah? <laughs> you know we all we all try to I don't know if we all try to escape it but you know you, you get a taste for it that I, I did anyway uh-huh. uh, you can't listen you can't listen to the album amnesiac right. and not want to be dreamy like that sometimes you know so
0: what else uh, the Punch brothers Bella Fleck radiohead what else uh, influences
1: you're playing I, um, I, I, I grew up, I listened to, I listened to a lot of classic rock because that's what my parents listened to. So I, the first band, and this is going to sound extremely cliche and it is, but the first band that I ever really, really, really listened to was the Beatles. I saw, um, it was, it was like, it was 1993. I was much younger and, uh, uh, and, uh. There was an ad for the Beatles anthology. It just had come out on TV, yeah, you know, yeah. not the extended version with commentary and stuff that I have now, you know, <laughs> but like that very first televised version came out, and uh, we taped it on VHS, uh, you know, and uh, I, my dad, I think, still has that tape, and it and it's completely worn out, you know, you uh, can't even watch it anymore, you know. I I loved them. I, I miss the look of
0: faded VHS. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. Yeah. It's a certain quality. You don't. You don't see in anything you watch
1: anymore. I know, it's it's marvelous. It's <laughs> yeah. it's so lossive. It, it everything looks bad on it all after color, a year. All the there's like seven yeah. colors, and they're all bleeding. You have together. that one part that goes, <laughs> you know, like every time, you know. But anyway, I I, I saw. You're not supposed to tape over other stuff. You're supposed to use a new tape. <laughs> yeah. I saw. Uh, I saw an advertisement, and it was it was like a shot of like it, it was. Artificial. They created the shot, but it was close into the stage and it pulled out, you know, to like the incredible audience or whatever. And there was the, you know, screaming in the background. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was like, what is that? You know, I don't know. I must have been, I mean, in the single digits, yeah. very young. And uh, I was like, what is that? And my dad was like, oh, that's that's this band, The Beatles. They were really big when I was very young. And I was, we watched it. And, like, by the second part of the trilogy, I was just like, oh, this is what you do. You know what I mean? Like, this is, and this is, you know, this is how you do it, you know? And, um... And from there, it just progressed, you know, so it was, and, and it got, it, it got progr- you know, much to my parents' chagrin, I think, it much got, you know, it got progressively louder and, and more disdainful, you know, as I got older, you know, so it went from the Beatles, and then it went to, you know, Creedence Clearwater Revival, and then Pink Floyd, and then Led Zeppelin, and then Black Sabbath, and then, you know, pretty soon, you know, like, you have a shirt that says Slayer on it, and you're like... <laughs> Where am I going? You know what I mean, and and uh, so you know I I don't know like the, there's a lot of I mean everything in whenever I write a song I mean it, it not necessarily everything is in every song, right. but uh, you know there's a lot there's a lot of different things you know like so I love bluegrass because bluegrass when you're picking picking on a mandolin really fast mm-hmm. is not much different from the way you are on a guitar when you're playing a solo during a really hard metal song, you know what I mean? It might be a different scale, it might be a different mode, but you're you're essentially doing the exact same thing, you know?
0: Playing at that kind of the the height of what that instrument can do.
1: Exactly, you know, and I always, you know, I I, I, I say to people, people who get really down on, like, on on bluegrass, I say to them, uh, you know, like, Well, jazz, I say jazz is, you know, like a long distance run. Bluegrass is a 100-yard dash. You know, bluegrass is about playing as as fast as you can with the most intent, as short as you can, you know, until everyone's hands fall off. You know what I mean? Like fast, when I think of hot bluegrass, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what I think of. And that's no different than really loud, aggressive metal music. It's just not amplified, you know. That, that It's pretty without much without the distortion and, and, the so distortion like, and all, the, all the effects, yeah. you know. But they're still singing about, you know, heartache. They're still singing about loss. You know what I mean? Right. They're just Murder. doing it in a remarkably louder way, you know. I'll right. <laughs> um, play the, the, the first few bluegrass tunes that I okay. it got me into it. This is going to be kind of a medley, so... Um, you know, like I picked up the banjo and I was like, "All right, show me Foggy Mountain Breakdown. Give me Foggy Mountain. That's what I want to learn." You know, and and uh, and so I I started. I turned to the I got the uh, the Earl Scruggs, you know, the great canonized Earl Scruggs bluegrass songbook. You know, and I turned right to Foggy Mountain Breakdown. It was just like I'm learning this song, and uh, from there I learned a couple other ones. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt to play. We'll see how it goes. I'm gonna attempt to play, I'm gonna do uh, a bit of Cumberland Gap into Foggy Mountain Breakdown into Train 45, but not at 145 beats per minute. I'm getting there, you know. I've only been playing for a little over a decade, so you know. These guys have a lot of decades on me. Say what? On, like, yeah, I know, and it's just like, it's bad at home because, you know, you get caught on something and you just, you know, you find yourself going, and, you know, and then eventually you hear, learn a different song. I'll never, I'll, I'll never get that phrase out of my head. Learn a different, just so matter of fact, learn a different song. It's you know it's the bane of every you know like non-musical spouse and boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, I'm gonna play I'm gonna play a bit of another one now. This is another uh, uh, Bela Fleck tune. One of the things that really attracted me to Bela Fleck's style when I was starting to listen to other banjo players was um, well I think he he said it in an interview once he. Uh, when he was learning how to play the banjo, you know, he he loved jazz. And, and, and so, you know, there is was like, you know, when you played banjo for a long time, you know, you played down here and then you played up here and then you went back down. But he goes, you know, I wanted to learn all the, what about all the frets in between the dots, you know, like well, those are notes too, you know? And, and, and I, cause he was the first banjo player that I heard that, you know, who would do Bach and, and then play, you know, a, like a Charlie Parker tune or something, um, and nail it, you know, and just like, wow, whew, Take the banjo off, throw it in the river, you know, like, well, he did it, I don't need to do it, you know. But uh, um, he has such a wonderful, uh, languid, uh, articulate way of playing and and, and express it can it can express so much mood i had the privilege of uh, getting to see him uh, my wife and i saw Bela and um, abigail washburn at the cso last the beginning of last summer and i mean like just you know he was playing a, like a, a small piccolo banjo it was a tiny little little banjo right and you know like i was weeping you know it, you know this is, the man conveys so much emotion on this little five stringed instrument, and so uh this is a tune that he uh, I think it's one of his like it, I think it's become like one of his good you know he pulls it out and people know that tune you know it, it's called big country and it's sort of a traditional sounding tune um but I just i i the song takes me away every time I hear it. And I won't play all 18 minutes of the live version, I'm just gonna play a few stanzas of it, you know.
0: As I, you know, as I listen to you play all these really great different styles of uh, banjo music, I of course remember that you're also a professional engineer, and I was wondering when you were talking about you know seeing the Beatles documentary and so on, and you know how do how do you kind of balance those two worlds? Do you have that same passion
1: for engineering as well? I... So I. Uh... I wanted to be a professional, you know, when I was little, I wanted to be in a band and I wanted, I, I didn't necessarily want to be famous, I just wanted it to work. I just wanted to be in a band that, you know, decades later went, yeah, weren't all those other decades, great, you know, like I just wanted that, you know? And then um, I did, you know, a silly thing and I listened to my folks. And, and so I, I, uh, I, uh, Whoops. I went, to, uh, I went to college, I got a, 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 a respectful, job as an engineer, you know. And I think they, they sort of like gritted their teeth like, okay, well at least we know that people get paid to do this, right. you know, it's kind the, of a Is thing. that the
0: best you can do for is a this, serious Well, job if this sign? is what he really <laughs> wants to do,
1: you know. And I picked it because, I mean, I loved, I think it was, so let me go back a bit. Uh, when I was, uh, but, you know, about 15 and I was really starting to like pick through my parents' record collection yeah. and I found this this record and it was black and it had a prism in the middle and a rainbow and a white line and I, I walked upstairs and I just you know <laughs> what is this you know and dad went you know oh well, that's Pink Floyd that's this band Pink Floyd you know and, uh, and I had bought this turn little uh, it was actually a big like component stereo system but like from a yard sale so it was really cheap it was my neighbor's yard sale and had all you know like the tape machine and the eq and you know and like so already like okay audio buttons (laughs) this is feeding my love for audio technology change how it sounds yeah right i can make i can make all the red lines go to the top if i do this you know (laughs) but uh i uh I put the record on and I had up until then I had been listening to a lot of you know, I had been listening to a lot of Beatles and Early Rolling Stones and very sort of like one, two, three and the song, you know, mm. and and so I was waiting for this like loud rock music to come on. You know, and it starts you know, it starts with that like Wah! wailing in the back and you know what I mean? Yeah. And it gets like really intense. And by the time, you know, like you get to the end of that intro and the person's like literally just screaming their head off in the studio, right? And the, you know, the <laughs> down, do down, da da, you know, comes in. And I was just like, what is this another time like what is this uh, you know and so i you know i read about it i got books about pink floyd and then I, you know I, that's where i really started to learn about like oh there's this whole other league of people who work inside this building right. and the musicians come in and go we want to sound like we're standing on the top of a mountain or whatever and these guys these folks figure out how to do that with all this stuff, you know. And I just loved the cables and the buttons and the lights. You know, I was a little boy, you know what I mean? It was great, you know. And so I had this sort of mutual love, the idea that I could record, I could like, I had this little like tape deck with a mic on it, you know, and I would record into it, you know, and Uh just you'd listen back to yourself for the first time, you know. And it was just like, oh my God! Like Mm. this is like, I just did it, you know. And and so that's where it started. Where you know, whenever I was playing music, the idea that I we we could be getting this down for posterity was also there too, you know. And so by the time that it came to (laughs) to pick a career, uh, I picked that one, you know. And 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 I I did that for you know. I graduated college in two thousand and seven and uh i did it all through college and and technically before just very you know small minute versions of it and uh and and it was it was it was good i liked it but it wasn't actually making the music and so when when my wife and i decided to have a baby uh and it became very apparent in the you know the way we earn money and stuff like that i should be the one that stays home um, now not having to look for work and as a freelancer it's a different kind you know my my wife knows where she goes every day right. she knows when her paycheck shows up you know right, it's gonna, it's, and there's, there's so to it, yeah. you know like not having to be sort of panic stricken yeah. Every day, hustling and so, hustling or whatever, you know, just trying to make ends meet. It's it, I sort of over the past six months, I've realized, like, you know, like, oh my God, you know, like this, all this whole like, I really should have been doing this the entire time. You know what I mean? And I'm old enough now to yeah, know that. Happens. You know, I'm too, I'm too old to not to lie to myself you know anymore you know i should really do this just
0: come together or whatever right exactly
1: it's not just going to come together and i don't think it ever really will come together i think it's uh it's an ongoing thing and i mean you know the the comparatively you know the the famous musicians to non-famous musicians there's a lot more non-famous musicians in the world and uh yeah I don't know. I think I think I'm 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 comfortable. I'm comfortable there as long as I still get to do it. Right. That's the thing. It's I think Levon Helm. Levon Helm, the drummer from the band, once said, uh, "You know, it's music has has a has a, has a, he- a healing power. You know, and oh. he tries to play a little every day." you know and that and that's what you that's what you have to do you know you have to you know even after you've had a hard day with a kid right. or at work or whatever you know you got to do whatever you have to do to drag yourself into that other room and tune your instrument up and 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 go through the mo- and you know the the first 15 minutes you're just going to go through the motions you're just uh-huh. going to do stuff that and you aren't even going to listen to yourself but if you can get past that you know uh-huh. and you know and then then it uh
0: you're talking about finding something sort of new or creative to play, rather than going through the motions. No, or, I'm or saying
1: what? I'm saying that uh, it, you you should you you have to play music every day, but it's you know if, if that's the thing that gets you, but if uh, but it's not going to be instantaneous. You know, mm. you ha- it's going to be hard. It's, you're going to have to go through moments where it's really difficult to just take your guitar or whatever out of its case. Because you know you've got other things to do, and you're just not. Yeah, doing. and and it's just like I did this yesterday, <laughs> you know, and then to what avail? Nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. I put it back in its case, and I went to sleep, you know. But I mean, it's it, if it's the thing that gets you, you gotta you gotta work past what? that. I mean, I have I have to do it. You know, I give. You know, my wife comes home from work. Uh-huh. I hand her the kid. You know, and I, <laughs> <laughs> I had him. I had her all day. <laughs> And, uh, and I, you know, I, I managed to eke out, I, I managed to eke out like about an hour, but, uh, you know, after my wife and, and Riley go to sleep, uh-huh. and before I start to get too tired to be useful on the <laughs> instrument, you know, and you get it, you can drag yourself there, it can be very good for you in the long run, you know.
0: What's the, the longest you've gone
1: without playing? When, when Lisa was having the baby. Yeah. <laughs> Those, those two and a half days oh, were wow. real arduous probably more so for lisa <laughs> <laughs> i imagine but there was a moment there was there was a moment i remember when we got to, you know back to the house and I, I you know i think i had woken up from my nap but riley and lisa were still asleep and i sort of went down into the basement again like oh yeah, the basement, forgot all about this. I just, you know, I just had this baby, I haven't thought about this room in a few days. And then, you know, you open up the case, and you're like, ah, that's where you've been,
0: yeah. Do do another tune?
1: Yeah. I wrote this song, um, you know, again, you know when you're a musician you just end up playing with everybody you know doesn't matter who if someone you know wants to play you, you sort of just end up playing if you know whether you're in a band or between bands and uh i uh i was jamming with a guy once years and years and years ago i was still in college and uh this little just a, just a little riff you know came out of the evening and nothing ever happened and then we stopped playing together and i actually haven't spoken to him in about a decade but uh, uh, I have no idea if he even still lives in Chicago. But this song came from one of those little jam sessions and it's a, a, it was really a guitar song and I only really started bringing it to the banjo when I, I decided to record it. This song is called, uh, this song's called On California and it's one of, those, one of those tunes, it was written very fast And you know, like those, uh, I don't know what it is, but it always seems like the tune, you know, the tunes that you get the most compliments on are the tunes that, like, you never even set out to mean anything, you know, when you wrote them. And I get the most compliments on this track, you know, and, you know, famous last words. We'll see how the performance goes. I get the most comments on this track. And when I wrote it, you know, like actually sat down and wrote it years after I I played that the one little riff with my my old buddy. uh, You know, I just kind of like, you know, okay, you know, and I wrote the song and it sounded good and I kind of had the chords already in my head from the one jam session. And so now it's interesting because like people tell me this stuff about this this song, and now I'm like I I I go back. To listen to myself, to go, what am I saying? You know, why do my friends tell me, play that one song again? I don't know any of the other ones, but play that one song again, you know? Mm-hmm. So, anyway, this song's called On California. It'll work.
2: Maybe someday you fall in with me, yeah. but not today, dear, and that's the way it's got to be. Maybe someday in California, yeah, yeah. But not today, dear, and that's the way it's gotta stay We'd have fun, we'd have sun to share, yeah it would clear all my clouds from here. Maybe someday in California, yeah, I'll rest my bones babe, by that big old bay. My own way home no my beds have grown laying my bed it's made out of stone
0: thing I wanted to talk about was the open mics you do, since you're not, not a stranger to this room. <laughs> not only with the engineering on the live at the Grafton, but also the open mics. And it's, it sounds like for you, jamming with people is an important part of what you do, playing with others. Um, I don't know, what does that give you as a musician to host an
1: open mic? First of all, I will say that I, I have dreams in this room like when I dream at night, like a lot of them take place in this very room. I'm here a lot. I'm here a lot. I'm here, I'm here, I'm in this room with this banjo four, five times a month. Uh And while that may not seem like a lot, you have to count in the times that I'm here just having drinks. You know what I mean? And I'm I'm in this building a lot, and it's nice because I ended up moving just, you know, like essentially a straight line west from, from it. You know, I'm, I'm off of Irving Park, which is just south, but I'm all the way west in Portage Park. But it's nice because I can just, it's just, I just get on Irving Park and I drive in a straight line until I get to Western and then I drive over to the Grafton, you know. And it's gotten to the point now, it's really bad though, because it's gotten to the point where... If I'm going anywhere on Irving Park, which is every trip I take because I live just off of Irving Park, if I'm not really thinking about where I'm going, a lot of times I'll be halfway to the Grafton before I realize I was supposed to get on ninety ninety four going north. You know? And this is my route. And it's just like one of those things where you just you pull over and you go, Man.
0: This is your default is to go towards like, the like, I'm
1: sober. This is really bad, you know? And, uh, uh, and, yeah, right. And if I keep, yeah, so then I guess you have a decision. There's a decision you have to make. Should I continue to be sober and get on 9094 and go see my relatives? Or should I just, I mean, I'm already, I'm to the Burger King by, uh, by California, I mean I'm already there. You know what I mean? Like it's just down the road. So
0: <laughs> maybe they're just they're putting stuff in your drinks or something to keep you coming back here. I don't know. Yeah. I don't
1: know. No, it's it's well, it's funny because uh, you know, like I, I I moved to Chicago in 2003, and and as I said before, I I, I I played the drums and the bass in a lot of hard rock bands and 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 um, sort of. You know I don't know all all sort of bands and whatnot and um I knew about this place, yeah, I knew about the grafton i knew, and and I knew about the grafton because I knew about old town and uh i sort of like sort of like in a in a way like you know where like you're a little kid you know after the time of the beatles and you hear about certain things that happen in london and then you have this big dream and then you eventually go to london thinking that you'll walk down savile row and it'll be like this <laughs> you know magical thing and, and and it's never what it is in in your mind and uh, and this is this is a compliment for the old town <laughs> I'm I'm waiting get, for I'm it. getting there <laughs> that, believe me this is the long way around but uh uh but I'm good at that the long way around and uh uh, and so you bu- you build something up in your head, and then you get there, and it's not true. Well, for me, um, always having you know lots of respect. I had seen shows on the, the, the main stage up here on, on Lincoln, on uh, that stage. Uh, I, I saw I saw Levon Helm wow. shortly before he passed away. Uh, that was a, 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 a lifetime joy for me as a drummer. And uh, and I had been around it, but I was always too terrified to go there because, I mean, it was the Old Town School. Its, it's fame precedes itself, you know, sort of when people talk about it. And so I expected, in you know, because we all tell ourselves stories, I expected to, uh, you know, walk in and be surrounded and, 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 and feel very uh, inferior to all these really amazing musicians who were playing, you know, even though it wasn't necessarily music that was way more complicated, but it was music that had a much more, you know, sort of hallowed history, you know, and uh, and I was just very nervous to walk into the building, you know, and then, you know, like an idiot, you know, for years, since 2003, you know, you don't do it. And then, you know, a few years ago, it was like, Oh, I heard there was an open mic up there, you know. So I'll go check that out. And now I run it. <laughs> so yeah. no, but I walked in. It's I walked. It seems like the most of the
0: stories uh, around like this you, area kind of right. end up like that.
1: And yeah. so yeah, it, there there there's you, there's an orbit, right. you know, an attractive gravitational force in in this area. No, but I walked in, and it was it was it was. I think I'd come to Mark Dvorak's Open Jam. That was the first thing that I ever did. I'm getting that name right, right? It's it's the Open Jam. And uh, uh, again, I didn't bring my banjo. Just bought a beer, sloped to the back, just sweating through my boots, you know, thinking that it was just going to be, you know, versions of, you know, the most famous musicians all wailing, you know, on the, you know. And I got there and I realized, oh, no, it's just a bunch of regular people who are all musicians who are just like me, who are trying to, you know, make it work. And, uh, and it was kind of like, God, I should have done this a decade ago. <laughs> this is fantastic, you know? And so it's funny because I... um. And I'm, you know, I could be, you know, prematurely digging some sort of grave for myself by saying this, if you choose to leave it in the thing, but like, you know, rock audiences are hard. You know, you walk into a bar, they all walk up to the front of the stage if you're lucky enough, and they stand there and they look at you like, all right, give it to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And you stand and you deliver. Right. And if you don't completely blow them over, you know, it's like, eh, it's okay, yeah, it you know, like and then, and then they're gone, you know, like, and that's, that's sort of the, the feel of, you know, like, rock and roll, and, 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 and just my experience with it in this, in Chicago, and, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that, I think there, a little bit of that in rock and roll is good, it right. keeps the rock tough, which is a good thing, you know, but, you know, you grow wary that, after, wary of that after a while, and you just want to talk to, you know, and, and, uh, it was just nice because even though I wasn't necessarily a folky or of someone who loved and, and all, was a folk artist, you know, who labeled myself as that, uh, I remember, you know, I loved later folk that, you know, like through, you know, James Taylor and Neil Young and sort of second and third comings of, of, of this kind of style, I had found out about it through them. And, um, I remember just, you know, being like, God, these people are just so much more open, you know, and like, yeah, I want to sit around in a circle and share tunes and drink all that beer. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. That sounds like a fantastic idea. And I realize now that as I, as I get older, you know, it's definitely like, you know, that's where, you know, I'm headed, you know. Uh, there's a great quote, I think, and I don't want to, I don't, and if I get this wrong, if anyone hears this podcast and is like, that's wrong, Call in and, and, and correct me, but I'm pretty Call sure in five 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 <laughs> more folk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Count those letters, Dan. Count those letters yeah. in that number. Well, uh, the area codes. Five, I, think five, five. I think it's a, I think it's a, a John Langford quote. They asked him, you know, like what happens to what happens to punkers when they get older? And he said punkers don't get older, son, they just go country. <laughs> And I love that. You know, I love I love that mentality, you know. Um But anyway.
0: Yeah man, let's let's do one more song. Yeah. And uh so people wanna check out your most recent project, which
1: is not called Gunnar Jebson, but right. so I uh I have a like a love of like I I guess they're like like a band box. Now if you look up band box, there's a couple of different definitions and one of them is you know, the, a box that you put, you know, the bands that go around hats, you know, in and stuff. But like, when I think of a band box, I think of a little wooden structure that's got little like toy soldier-esque, mm-hmm. almost people sort of that move to the music, you know? And uh, I have a, um, I don't know, the, the the image of that is something that I really love. And so as uh, over the years, as I'm slowly sort of cultivating like what it is I do, you know, I I think I like that image, you know, and because, and then it lent itself, you know, I'm sort of a one-man band in the way that I use this looper, and I have a couple of other pedals that I take the banjo to a different place than it, it traditionally is in. You know, so this, this whole band is contained in this box that's, you know, in front of me, you know, but then I, you know, sort of bust out of, the, you know, I, in my head I bust out of the box, you know, it's crazy enough, it gets crazy enough that the box breaks mm-hmm. and splinters wood everywhere, you know and so that's where I got the bandbox buster and so I have this EP that uh, I, all of the, and it's I'm doing a much more stripped down version of it tonight. It's, you know, it's uh, b- you know, there's lots of bow work on it and and the, the percussion is, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you can listen to it quiet, but if you crank it up in your car, it'll still play good. You know, I tried to give it enough oomph, you know, behind it. Maybe and you'll find yourself driving to the Grafton whether you want to or not. <laughs> yeah, and if you put it on, you will just end up here. You know. Um but uh so anyway, so I have this it's this 3 song EP. It's on it's on Bandcamp. So if you go to if you go to uh Bandcamp. bandboxbuster and that's B A N D B O X B U S T E R bandboxbuster.com bandcamp.bandboxbuster.com So many bees. So it's many rough. bees. It's rough rough uh, uh, that there is where the uh, album is found and then I also have this one um, uh, this group all's well that I jam with uh, we have uh, an EP it's a sort of an albums length worth of material even though there's only five songs on it and uh, that's the more expanded uh, world music polyrhythmic stuff that I do and that's got harmonica guitar banjo and tablas on it actually. So if you just go to, I think again it's uh, allswellmusic.bandcamp.com, you'll find it. But if you, if you look around on Bandcamp with Allswell, eventually you'll get, you'll, you'll get there, you know what I mean?
0: All right, let's do one more tune. And thanks a lot for coming out, everybody. Give Gunnar a very big much. hand. And thanks again to Jim Picard for doing our sound
1: thanks to the Grafton. This song is called Seattle Gray. I wrote this song after, uh, my wife and I took a trip, uh, a few years ago we took a trip up to Seattle and we stayed in Seattle for a bit, Portland, and then we drove down through Big Sur, and then I think flew home from there. But uh, uh, Seattle in general was just a very different place from any of the cities that, I'm from the East Coast, I'm from Pennsylvania, uh, probably about two hours away from Philly, in Allentown. And so, you know, as you go west, people progressively get more laid back, you know, and so Seattle was just a very different city compared to the, the things that that I was used to. And it really it really struck me, and what struck me the most was how liberal venues and bars were with the bands who wanted to come in and play. Uh, you know, we would just walk into a bar and there would just be band, a band there on the stage and you didn't have to pay a cover, you know, because it was sort of just inferred that they were going to get some of the door, you know, a little bit of whatever, you know. And uh, I remember thinking, like, you know, I think Chicago, I read a statistic, uh, and it might be not true now, but a few years ago I read a statistic that, like, Chicago had, like, per capita the most musicians per in, than any city you know, every other, you know, so many people plays an inst- some sort of instrument, you know what I mean? But we're such a, we can be such a blue-collar town sometimes. I feel like it's hard, you know, like, and this might be more so for, again, for the rock scene than for the folk scene. But, like, you know, you know when a venue tells you, like, well, you know, you need this EPK and, and this electronic press kit and... Uh, you know, can you bring, you know, at least 75 to 100 people to the door? You know, like, it's like when, you, when you're trying to start out, you can't start out there. You know what I mean? You need, and so, um, I think it's 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 a little bit harder in this town to just walk into a place and be like, you know, y'all need a musician this Friday or something. You, you know what I mean? It's just a little tougher. There are places that you can do that, you know. Um, I still have yet to find them, but then again... I don't know. I'm a good procrastinator. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I came back, and some months later, I I this I, this song came out, and um, it's called Seattle Grey. <laughs>
2: in the street Keep some weight off of their feet Every way Along that road Just like a All I throw Thoughts within The road will answer back There's motion in the street. Marching band enters through. Leave some room for them to move. This is how the people get their wits within the wet. It's what I remember. Among Chicago's friendly ghosts Chicago every day along that board like a hole I throw my thoughts against the wall All in time The go-arounds get left behind Still I sit and listen for is sounding from the board.